0: Welcome to the Forest FM Podcast, episode 112. I'm Killian Vigne. And
1: I'm Zoe Below Springer. This week, we're picking things up right where we left them in episode 107 with salon business coach Steve Gomez. We'll be talking about what I'm sure is everyone's favorite topic meetings, but more specifically, how to use them in a way that turns each staff member into leaders.
0: So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Morning, Killian. So interesting one here today, this man has managed to make his way into doing a part two here today.
1: Yes, Steve Go is back for a part two. So episode 107 was all about Understanding what your salon numbers were telling you and coaching accordingly, and it, I personally thought it was a very inspiring episode. I remember like the last very good, yeah, yeah. I remember the last bit, like one of the last things that was discussed was goal setting and where it should start, yep. and it was all about finding um, your staff's why, and that really, really stuck with me. Um, so yeah, I suppose let's get into it, right? Without further ado, welcome back to the show, Steve. Great to have you on.
2: Thank you very much to both of you. I'm really glad to be here. Let's jam. Oh, he's
0: pure excited. Look at him. He's sitting here wearing his Irish jersey. When I saw the camera turn on, I just was in stitches straight away. Did not expect that. And that's actually the jersey you bought here in the Guinness storehouse in Ireland for the Salon Owners Summit. Isn't that right?
2: That is correct. So we have to represent, we have to channel that great energy, go back to great moments in life. And you know, it's all the things that we either wear or surround ourselves with that are constant reminders of great things that we're up to, you know. So yeah, uh, this is a great thing that the three of us are up to in support of people out there that need to grow and need to develop themselves. So let's rock and roll.
0: And speaking of growing and developing, today's topic is it's talking about that dreaded, uh, the meetings, or what we, we like to call them one-to-ones. And you said that you want to make people excited about meetings. So um, I suppose straight off the bat, when you're consulting with clients, what's the first reaction that people have when you talk about meetings and one-to-ones?
2: Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is the, the, the typical reaction is, is, the, is the word that you shared, dreaded. So let's just start with that. I believe that if somebody's dreading a meeting on either side, whether it's the owner manager or it's the employee, technician, contractor, whomever it is coming to the meeting, if they're dreading it, that's a symptom of something missing. That's all it is. So we need to stop and get aware and conscious of, okay, why am I feeling this way about having the meeting on either side of the coin? And if I'm feeling this way, what's missing that if we added it, would make this more inspiring, would make this uh, feel like a good use of my time. So to me, it must begin with being conscious of why I'm relating to it that way. And on both sides, we then need to seek to understand uh, the thinking and what could we put in place to make this something that feels inspirational and proactive and supportive. Uh, And it has to start with the owner first. While it does take two to tango, uh, the owner or manager, the leader has to turn the mirror and look at themselves first and say, okay, why am I dreading this? Or why do I feel that energy on the other side of the table? Why am I feeling that person not uh, be as connected to this? Why am I feeling pushback or indifference or somebody being impatient and just wanting to get through this? Uh, what, What am I doing all the time that's just the same old, same old? How can I break this up and shake it up? Who is this all about, me or them? Like those are the type of questions that a leader needs to look at and ask themselves uh, so that they can shift it. So it starts there, how am I relating to it? And that's
0: exactly what you touched off when you said your three-tiered approach, you've got your values, and the one that you're just talking about there is your perception. How do you perceive what you're doing? the last one you had was to have it on behavior but yeah it's that perception that you have about yourself and how you are going to get past that Mm -hmm. correct
1: do you feel like oftentimes it's due to a lack of structure in these meetings that you know that's causing most of these issues and most of like the 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 dread i suppose
2: completely uh it's well it's two-sided there is either no structure or in my experience, it, the structure is all about the owner and leader and what they see, the owner and leader and what they need. Mm. So it's typically one sided. So I'm going to sit down with you, Killian, and we're gonna. it's once a month. And let's take a look at your numbers. And here's what you're producing. And here's what we need you to produce what are you going to do differently? I need this out of you. It's an I, 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 I conversation, not a we conversation. There's no questions being asked. There's here's what I see you're doing that I need you to do differently or need you to do more of.
1: It's kind of like those job offers, right? Where someone is saying, we have a job opening. Here's what you need. Do you want to work in this place, this place, this, this is what we're looking for. Whereas if you switch the job offer to Do you want to work on your career and make it like a focus on the actual staff and, you know, why they would benefit from joining that team? It changes the whole conversation.
2: It really does. Uh, To me, that the more I can find out about how you're thinking, uh, the more I could find out about why you're inspired about something and maybe why you're not inspired about something else inside of your job and what you have to do, uh, the more I can help guide and shape you I can help direct you to where you say you want to go. And if I'm directing you to where you say you want to go, I increase the odds of you actually doing something different to make that happen. Uh, If I'm just telling you what I see and what I expect out of you, you're going to shake your head and yes me to death when maybe in the back of your mind you're agreeing with half of what I'm saying. You know, so it really, really has to go back to, You know, what's in it for them? What are they committed to? And if you over there know that I'm genuinely committed to help you get that, more often than not, you're going to listen to my ideas after I find out what you're thinking. But it has to start with your thinking first.
0: So how do you structure the meeting? I I suppose you're saying a good bit of focus should be kind of on who you are doing the one-to-one with. Prior to that meeting, okay, um, should an agenda be put in place or should there be objectives outlaid for that meeting? Like there's nothing worse than being called to a meeting and you don't know what it's about or you don't know what's going to be discussed.
2: Yes. So I'm I'm going to take a two-pronged approach to this. Um, I'm going to answer in the immediate and then I'm going to backtrack to the genesis and beginning of the whole thing to begin with. So in the immediate, uh, I have a system, uh, that I wrote that I attached to my interdependent leadership book, and that is called the planning and review form. So this monthly planning and review form is all about taking the time to reflect. And in this reflection form, uh, it should be handed out to the team member, at least 24 to 48 hours before the meeting. And they have to fill it out, answer the questions and come prepared with it. So the first part of the meeting, if if I'm meeting with you, Killian, you're turning this in and, and we're sitting down and going through your answers. So what's happening is it's giving you the chance to reflect in your own time and space before the meeting. Uh, and then for me, the leader, I'm dialing in immediately at the start to you and what you're looking at, thinking about and relating to your position within the company. The questions that I wrote on this reflection form are things like this. What are three things you love about working here? Uh, What's one way that we as a business can improve and what's your idea or solution? What are three things that you think you're doing well? And what's one thing you want to improve upon in the next 30 days? And what's the step you're going to take? Now, if we were to break those questions down and get into the psychology of it, what are three things you like about working here? We're starting with a positive. I'm having you not focus on things that you are struggling with or things that maybe you're frustrated with about the salon. I'm having you start with what you like about being here, what you appreciate about being here. What do you love about being here? We're starting with positive and affirming thought processes. Uh, So then I get to dance with you on those answers. Tell me a little bit more about this. Why do you love that? You know, how long have you felt this way? Did something happen to have you feel this way? So now I'm digging into what did we actually do right? Because, you know, by nature, us humans can be very critical first. So I want to be able to isolate what the heck we did do right that has this person happy about that so we can keep replicating it. The next question comes right on top of it, which is, how can we improve as a company and what's your idea and solution so there's two parts to that. there's actually three parts to that one coming off the heels of positive thought process uh the person's going to be looking at answering that subconsciously in a more empowered way now it's not going to land as just some complaint because they just wrote all these things they like so now without them even knowing it subconsciously their brain is now thinking in a more proactive way instead of a negative or complaining way and Because I'm asking your idea, I'm edifying who you are, and that you're important to the salon, and that you matter, and I want to know what you think and what you see. So as you answer that question, then that allows you to feel heard, and, and, and it allows you to contribute. The second part of that question is, what's your solution? Because if there's no solution thought of by the person answering the question, then they're they're basically are just laying a complaint at my feet that now I have to solve. You know, and, and while I might have ideas around it, I want you to put your thinking cap on. I want if, if you see something that maybe I'm missing as a leader, tell me, show me, and what's your idea? Because you work here and, and you're probably gonna have to be the one that has to implement it. So give me some ideas. So we're challenging somebody to think positively where can we grow? What's your idea? Now we have it shift to them personally. So what are three things you think you're doing well? And the key word in that is think. Because if I come into a meeting and I'm not asking questions, and let's say that Zoe, you and I are meeting, and I see that you can improve your retail performance, but I'm not checking in with you. And I'm just coming in and telling you that you need to grow. Here's your numbers. Your retail to service percentage is at 15%. You need to be at 20%. And I'm showing this to you. You might again shake your head yes to me or cross those arms and get defensive and all that stuff. But when I'm asking you what you think first and you write down, I'm doing great at retail. Well, thank goodness I asked that question first because now I see that you think you're doing great at retail where I was going to come into the meeting and talk about how you need to get better at it. So So that shifts me as a leader to then say, okay, so... You wrote down that you're doing great at retail, so tell me specifically a little bit more about that. What's your experience? What's happening? Well, I was always struggling to, you know, sell that color shampoo and conditioner to my color clients. In the last couple weeks, I focused on it and I've had a breakthrough. I had a couple people buy it. Awesome. Give me an example of a few of those people. Well, I worked with Killian because he really wanted to accentuate that red those red curly locks on top of his head. <laughs> 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 you know, so I recommended the color and he went for it. And he, you know, I, I recommended the color conditioner and blah, blah, blah. And he said, yes. And it made me feel great. That's an awesome breakthrough. Now, how can you make that applicable to other parts of your retail experience? Would you say that you can do that all the way around your retail? Yes. So it shifts. That's the power of finding out what somebody thinks they're doing well. It gets me out of my perception and it gets me into theirs and then I could dance with their thinking and really get more related and really shift how I coach instead of going in and maybe being potentially abrupt and then cutting somebody off uh, and making them feel disempowered and then the last question is what are you working on in the next 30 days and what step are you going to take and that's critical because now we're getting into the future So we've done nothing but positive and empowered things throughout asked your ideas. Where are you working on and being strong? How do you want to improve? All right, now how do you want to improve? What are you going to do about it? Would you like my ideas? Now my ideas come where? At the end. Mm. But by that point, the person's ready to listen. Who's it all about? It's all about the other person. It's not about me, the leader. It's about them. If these conversations are being had once a month, once every six weeks, And we're getting into the psychology of how somebody's thinking and relating, we have a really empowered breakthrough with that person. We're guiding them. We're helping them build. It's all about them. That creates a dynamic shift in, oh, the dreaded meeting. Now it becomes about, I can't wait to sit down and talk with my mentor.
1: Yeah, it becomes more of a conversation than telling. Correct.
0: You've just built a leader from the ground up. Yes. They've come to you with everything. They've told you what they think they're doing good. They've told you what they plan to do next. You haven't really had to do anything, only just, I suppose, sit there and kind of direct them, or like you said, dance
2: with them. And think about this, Killian, based on what you just said. Even if at the end of that, going through the form, they haven't said or we haven't addressed a couple of things that I see that I want to address then I can address them at the end. And by that time, I have somebody who is that much more receptive to listen to other areas that I see they can improve. The whole course of that has set it up for the person now to be open and wanting to hear, realizing that it's all about them and I've got their interest at heart and I'm here to help you. uh, So please share your opinions. What do you think? It just recreates the thought process. The other thing is, Um, in order to do this, a leader has to honor the time. So if that meeting's in the schedule, it has to be honored. And it can't be like, oh, a color client just wanted to book at the last minute, so let's cancel this and do that. You know, only emergency things that are drastic should get in the way of it. Like, you know, the water heater broke and we immediately have to make phone calls to get it fixed and I got to do that. You know, there's things that happen that can get in the way, but they should be very minimal. And it should be in a quiet, uninterrupted space. If that phone is turned up and the owner's looking down at it, if the knock is coming on the door and the interruptions being allowed, those are disrespectful to the time that that person deserves from the leader. I actually uh, coach my clients that they should be taking their employees off site, go to the coffee house down the street, go somewhere outside of the norm so that it's one on one, it's in a different space. It just creates more intimacy. Couldn't agree more there.
1: He just made me think about something. Earlier this year, I read The Coaching Habit by Michael Bun... Who I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his last name.
2: Come on, Zoe. Come <laughs> Michael on. Michael Bunke here.
1: I don't know. I, I know how to pronounce it in French, but in English. <laughs> Anyways, he was listing off seven essential questions to coaching. And I'm curious to hear about like which one would be your favorite. So he had, what's on your mind? And what else? What's the real challenge for you? What do you want? How can I help? If you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And what was most useful for you?
2: Uh, I would go with all of the above. Oh,
1: really? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love, you know, look, the more questions you have, the better. Um, I had the honor of learning from somebody years back, and, and he gave me some great coaching. Uh, and, and he was coaching me to be a coach. And he said, Steve, uh, as you prepare to have a conversation with any of your clients, or if you're teaching them how to coach their team, as you go into the conversation, you minimally should have three questions that you're prepared to ask. And each question naturally, based on the answer you get is going to lead to other sub questions. And typically you might not even get to those three prepared questions because the first one or two and the sub questions thereafter inside the dialogue is going to flush out and bring up a lot of great dialogue. But being prepared with questions is critical. That's why when I wrote the reflection form and created that, you know, if you think about it, there's four basic questions in there. So, and we're giving it to someone and having them think about it beforehand. So they're coming in prepared and it's all about them. Uh, So you just gave a a line of seven questions that if we had a half hour to meet, we might not even get through all seven of those. You know, just, all right. What was the first one again? Uh, What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Okay. So I don't know if I'd lead a meeting off with that, you know, because then that might put somebody back with, well, what do you mean what's on my mind? What's on my mind is why am I in this meeting? Right? <laughs> so, you know, so I might start off with a, with a few of the other questions and then use that question somewhere else in that line, you know, just as, as a way, if I see somebody stuck that's a great question to ask. Well, tell me what's really on your mind.
1: Yeah, get the conversation going.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful question, but it's, to me, it's not a conversation starter as much as it's something to help unblock, get somebody unstuck. Um, another great, uh, here's a great coaching technique. A lot of times you're going to ask somebody in a meeting a question and you're going to get that immediate answer. I don't know. And the I don't know is one of two things going on. You either have somebody who's genuinely stuck and doesn't come up with an immediate answer, so the conditioned response is to say I don't know, so I don't have to think hard, and now it's back on your shoulders to tell me. Or the I don't know means I'm indifferent, I don't care, uh, this doesn't, this isn't important to me. So yeah, I don't know. Putting up a wall. Yeah. Yes. So when you get the I don't know, uh, the best thing to do is say, well, if you did know what would it be? If you did know, what do you think? And uh, literally, I'll be on calls with clients and I'll keep getting, I I, I was on a call last week and for five minutes we were going through the I don't knows. And as a coach, you have to stick with it. (laughs) Literally, well, if you did know, tell me. I'm not letting you off the hook. Come on, think. Give me something. I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm looking for you to think about it. I'm not here to tell you. I'm here to have you think and grow. So if you did know, what do you think it would be? So now that person knows that I'm fighting for them to grow. I'm not here to just tell you everything. There's no growth in that. I don't want just a good soldier on the field. I want a thinker that sees the next moves happen in the battle. So if you did know, what would it be? If you did know, what would it be? Over and over until that person comes up with something. And what's amazing is usually in that line of questioning, you're going to find somebody popping like popcorn within a minute or two, sometimes even quicker, because they just have to get out of their own way. And if you have the indifferent person, the one that doesn't care, that's just throwing the wall up, the, if you did know, what do you think they're going to keep throwing the wall up, which is great because now you can say, okay, I'm sensing that you really don't want to have this conversation. So I'm putting that question aside. Now let's talk about this. What's missing here. What's going on? Why am I feeling this energy? Let's talk about that, which is even better because now we're getting into the truth. Now we're getting into authenticity. Now we're having somebody share what may, may be really going on behind the veil. You know, because a lot of people just come in and and put perfume on a pig, right? It's just like (laughs) trying to cover up the stink that's not there, you know? But we all smell it. Like, wait a minute. Okay, let's quit masking. Let's dance here. You know, and and as a leader, leaders have to be willing to work through this. Because you can't be a dictator and you can't be a doormat. You have to walk that fine line. So, I challenge any salon owner or leader listening to this, I I, I challenge you to think about what your natural tendency is. Because if your natural tendency is dictator or to, you know, just take the bull by the horn and run with it, then you need to dial you down because that energy is going to be felt. And if you're more of the person that doesn't like confrontation, then you have to understand that, notice the word confrontation, it's just a conversation. You're the one shifting it to having it be a confrontation. It doesn't have to be that way. So when you're going into meetings, you have to check yourself before you potentially wreck yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice Nice there. there. You nice know, you, there. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, you, you have to be able to notice how you are relating to it and ask yourself why. And, and if you can't get beyond it, this is why working with coaches are critical because people like myself, we come in and we help you work through how you're relating to it and help you put the systems in place and do the work and get the courage and and put the size 12 foot on the butt to help you move through this. Um, I don't think any of us, uh, especially as we're in adulthood, are going to change how we naturally relate to things. What is critical is that we get conscious of how we're relating to it so we can choose to think differently in the moment. But we're always gonna have that tendency to feel that anxiety about something or to feel that aggression and wanna go like, oh my god, I can't believe that Zoe did this. Zoe get in here and say, you know. <laughs> you know, people are gonna be one of two ways, really. They're gonna be that way or they're gonna be quiet and keep it to themselves and then it's gonna you know, bubble over, right? So you gotta notice how you're relating to to this as a human being first. Take the title leader off and look at yourself as a person and be responsible for the energy you're bringing to the meeting so that you shift you so that you become there's an opening there you become open to the person you accept that they're human too and just because they don't get it at the way you do doesn't mean there's anything good bad right or wrong about it it's about understanding why their actions or thinking is the way it is and helping them shift over to how you see things this is a learned practice so um. If these are recorded and people can listen back to this and you're one of those owners that really is on one side of the coin, not kind of in the middle, keep listening to this over and over and over again. Keep listening to this so you can let what I'm saying to you sink in because all the growth you're looking for lies inside of you shifting how you relate so that you can help others do the same. That's where the magic is.
0: Have you ever had to devise an Uh, I suppose, like an exit plan. So like you are just stuck with that one stubborn person that won't give you anything.
2: Yes, ultimately there has to be accountability. So um, if somebody's not opening up, uh, then then you you just have to be honest. So it could kind of go like this. So Killian. (laughs) (laughs) So Killian, obviously there's something there. I'm not feeling that there's a willingness on your part to share with me what's going on. And I respect that. However, uh, I'm going to have you clock out for the rest of the day and I'm going to have you go home and really think about what's occurring for you and what's important for you. Um, I value that you're here. However, at the end of the day, we have to work with each other and there needs to be open lines of dialogue and there needs to be clear communication. So something's missing. Uh, And I'm asking and you're not sharing. So I invite you to go home and think about it and then circle back around and we can touch base on this first thing in the morning. Or if you feel you want to give me a holler later, we can do that. And if I have the time, we'll make that happen. Uh, But obviously, something's missing and we need to figure it out. So to me, if you don't stand for something as a leader, you fall for anything. What are you standing for? It's a great quote that I heard years ago and it's so powerful. I'm not going to sit there and, and, and beat a dead horse over you know, the head. I'm, I'm just not going to do that as a leader. Also, think of it like this. Um, the analogy of the bull and the matador. You know, so are you chasing the emotional red cape that somebody's laying out for you as a leader? Or are you going to take the cape back? So in that moment, it's taking the cape back and saying, sorry. You know, uh, but if you're unwilling to dance with me, you need, to, you need to check out for a minute and really reflect and think about the why. And let's have a dialogue because I, I, at that moment, I don't know. It could be me. It could be them. Maybe they had something go on in their personal life that's impacting them. But I'm done fishing. I can only go so far. So I have to then take control back and say, this is how it's going to go. And if a leader is unwilling to do that, then they're allowing that person to be in control of the relationship and they're giving their power away to it. And, and also owners are going to do that because, oh, well, Zoe's bringing in $2,000 a week and I don't want to push her because if, you know, I get her upset, she might leave. And if an owner's thinking that way, then you're allowing the almighty dollar to control the conversation and you're selling your integrity down the river. And there's not one dollar or one person that's worth that, period.
1: Well, let's let's talk about the why. Like when you have a new staff member coming in, joining a team, or even a new manager coming in and joining the team, sometimes it does take a little while to get up to speed with, first of all, just getting to know people and gelling in with the team and the people you're going to work with on the daily, and then also just understanding how the salon works in general. So how, like, where do you start your coaching journey if you're an existing manager coaching a new staff member? And on the flip side of that, if you're a new manager joining an existing
2: team? Okay, Zoe. Thank you for bringing me back to a point that I forgot to make. (laughs) If you want to take a moment to think and reflect. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Killian. (laughs) We'll now take a 10 second pause. Cue the, you know, cue the music. The elevator music. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, mine would be heavy metal elevator music. But anyways, uh, (laughs) um, here's the thing. If we go back to the genesis of how the relationship begins, uh, it all comes back to how you're recruiting, hiring, training someone. Uh, It all comes back to the type of questions you ask in the interview process. Killian can be an amazing colorist, and he can have a full book. But if I'm not asking those subjective questions to understand how he thinks and what his personality is like, If I'm not listening in in those questions for if he's saying a lot of I and not enough we, you know, then I might be missing some of the things that uh, are then going to present themselves two or three months down the road. There's always that dating period and there's always that like, you know, the first couple months of a marriage period with employees where everything's great and everybody loves everything and then behaviors and and habits begin to show up and thinking and perception begins to show up. So it really goes all the way back to the type of questions that you're asking inside the interview process that help you increase the odds of finding the right type of thinker to be on the team with you. From there, it then gets into orientation. And one of the things that I see is that there's, there's not an empowered, systematic integration into the culture. So the orientation process in and of itself needs to have checkpoints where uh, the educators on the team that are helping that new staff member uh, really come up to speed and, and, and be part of the culture uh, need to be having meetings daily, beginning and end of day with that person. The leader, manager, owner, whoever it is in that role needs to be meeting with that person minimally once a week if they're not the active educator. Uh, so there there needs to be a, a structured approach that also will teach the new hire that here's how we operate here. Here's how we communicate here. So to me it gets back to that. And when I'm getting the team more involved in this, it's not just me trying to figure it out based on the business size. Uh, you know, some, some salons may be really small and if you're listening and it's just you, then it's just you for now handle, you know, if it's you and one or two other people, you gotta do what you gotta do. But at any rate, it it comes back to systems, you know, do I have a progression? Is it written down? Is it in a calendar? And am I presenting that to the new hire? In a way that shows them, I'm organized. We had a great interview. You sold me on you, blue skies, apple pies, right on, everything looks great. you know, but now here's where the rubber's going to meet the road. You know, here's what I'm expecting of you. You told me that you take the ball and run with it and work independently. Well, here's your schedule. You know, and a lot of times, We don't have that inside of a salon environment. So then the new hire is kind of standing around waiting to be told what to do instead of following a schedule and holding themselves accountable. You know, so there's a lot of things like that, Zoe, that I think need to be in place that can take some of those symptoms and get them turned around into solutions.
1: And what about like if you already have an established team, but you're bringing in someone from the outside in a managerial
2: position? Um, If I'm bringing somebody outside into a managerial position, I'm going to get the team involved in helping me to identify why we need to bring somebody in from the outside. I'm going to get them involved in um, coming up with what would be the things we would need somebody that we're going to respect as a leader, A, to do for us, the type of person they need to be, who's going to be the type of person that inspires you to push them, And then in the interview process, I would get team members involved in that process too. You know, the more involved the team is, we increase the percentages of them wanting to then follow through and execute upon whatever the initiative is, whether it's hiring somebody or bringing in a new product line or whatever it is. So I would get the team involved. Uh, and, and then when I'm bringing that new manager in, you know, uh, I, I'd have them shadow with each team member. I would have them get to understand what makes those people tick. Uh, and, and I would be holding them as a new leader accountable to come back and tell me observations and what they're going to go do about it. Uh, you know, show me what you think tell me how we can make our culture better. What are your ideas? So I'd be getting them involved more that way. Um, A lot of times an owner will hire a manager without the team's input. And then the team's just going to have whatever resistance to change they normally have. And they're going to have maybe resistance to not knowing that person. There's no built-in respect, you know, so there needs to be some level of built-in respect. You know, and an owner shouldn't hang on their team's every word with that and say, "Oh my god, two out of my 10 people didn't like the person I'm not going to hire them." Yeah. You know, ultimately as a leader, I still need to make my decision, but I do want team involvement because it just again, it, it creates that interdependence.
0: So, how do you know like I'm the salon owner, I'm going to be you say I have to coach the manager. As a manager, I have to coach the staff members. But how do you know you're the right person to actually coach someone else, especially if you're Promoted to a senior role where you've never had to coach someone before, does that not feel like
2: a lot of weight for them? Naturally, it could. So I need to understand how much of it actually it is. I use a the 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 scale method quite often, and the scale method is: okay, Zoe, tell me on a scale of one to ten how you relate to having to coach a peer who now you're leading and managing. A one would be, uh, yeah, I feel no confidence at all. I'm completely freaked out, head in the sand. Can I clock out and go home? Can we have this conversation at the pub? A five would mean, well, it really depends on the person. It depends on the circumstance. It depends on what I have to talk to them about. A 10 would be, I don't really feel I have any problem with it at all. I'm really ready to go make it happen. doesn't mean I'm not going to make a mistake, but I feel comfortable and confident. So then Zoe would say, yeah, I'm a six. So then I would say, okay, well, what has you be a six and not a five or a four or a three or a two or a one? So I'm starting with the strength first. What has you be a six and not lower? Uh, Well, you know, I really feel confident. I I have great working relationships with everybody, you know, and we all have a lot of respect for each other. So I feel real comfortable with everybody in the salon right now. Okay, great. So then what would have you be a seven instead of a six? Notice how I'm not trying to get a 10. I just want to go one rung up. What would have you increase to a seven? Well, you know, I'm new to the role, so I need to have a better understanding of what I'd be coaching them on. Excellent. Let me get my shit together and help you with that. (laughs) And then an eight would be, all right, so what would have it be an eight? Well, you know, uh, different circumstances may get in the way for me, you know, and and maybe if I'm having to coach somebody on their behavior, that might be a little bit more challenging for me than coaching them on getting better at colored or offering retail. Okay, awesome. So let's dig into some behavioral work together. Let's go through some scenarios. What would be some of the things that you think would get you stuck and plug you so I can help you work on getting unplugged? Would that be beneficial, Zoe? And then Zoe's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's the way to me. I think the scale method is, is always awesome because it creates a little bit more of a, uh, it puts a structure into it. Yeah. You know? and, and, and now I understand Zoe's opinion of her, herself. And it's kind of a safe way of doing it. And now it's like, how do we raise from a seven to an eight to a nine over, over time? You know, it's not about perfection. It's about gradual progression and growth. And if I were to end with anything, you guys, you know, meetings don't have to be something that we dread. Meetings can, can always be magical. They must be about elevating culture. They must be about supporting somebody to grow and move beyond what they're capable of. Uh, make them fun. Make them different. Get the team involved. Put them in charge of doing things. Shift things up. Be creative. If you're just doing the same thing month in and month out, no wonder you're getting the results you're getting and people are like, why am I going to have to sit here now for the next half hour? You know, so be creative. Ask the questions. Make it about them. Uh, Notice how you think. Shift you first. And then you increase the chances that they shift as well. And be patient with the process. And lastly, let go of your expectations that you're going to go in with this plan and it's going to go this way. And then when it doesn't, you're upset that it didn't go that way. It's not about you as much as it's about all. And sometimes people just aren't going to get it and they might not get it right away. Be patient, accept where people are, accept where they're not, accept how they think, accept how they don't except how they relate and how they don't, except what shows up for them and what doesn't. When you allow people to be where they're at, you then can dance with them and hold them to account and help them continue to grow. When you come from that place of acceptance, you become more patient. And with patient energy, you become more empowered. And with empowerment, you become a better leader and people feel that vibe from you, they resonate with it and they want more of it. So take your time, it's not a race. It's about being open and supportive and loving people for where they are at on the journey and allowing them to continue to gradually progress into the highest iteration of themselves.
1: Wow, I can't, I can't add anything to that. Like, honestly, both episodes you've ended on such... A high note. I, I, yeah, I'm just smiling here, listening to all of that.
0: <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> the very same is going to say, I have nothing to add. If there's anything to take away from that show, we're just going to play that last bit out. And I think on that note, we're going to say, thanks so much again, Steve, for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks to both of you. It's my honor. L- love you guys. Love what you're up to. This work is so important. It's so critical. It really provides uh, such a high level of support for people out there. And it, it's so very needed. So keep up the good work, you guys. Well,
1: thank you so much. And we'll put all the links to your business coaching into the show's notes as well. And again, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Have a great day, Steve. Thanks, team.
0: So that was Steve Gomez on interdependent leadership and holding Empower Meetings. and you know what, I think everyone after listening to this episode is going to be hosting more effective Empowering meetings and building a great team of leaders themselves. Some very good content covered there today.
1: Yeah. And it ties back into 30 Days to Grow, you know, how that theme this year is building unified teams and coming together, working together on these challenges that you face in the salon. So this one is is one to bookmark and just get back to and listen to every now and then.
0: I mean, like he made me excited to want to book a one-to-one with him. I should have, he booked himself in for another episode last time. I should have booked in for a one-to-one with him (laughs) and missed out on that opportunity.
1: Um, but hey, listen, guys, so second half of the show, we don't have too many announcements. One that's a regular one, we uh, have the Salon Mentorship Hub ready there for you to connect with coaches and consultants that we trust. Uh, so if you've been working on, on some stuff and you're you're feeling stuck, everyone on the hub is uh, happy to help you out with a 15 to 30 minute consultation, free consultation. You don't need to be a Forrest client to avail of this. Uh, essentially, what you do is you go on to Salon mentors.forest.com. You can have a look through topics or uh, through mentors, uh, depending on if you have already an idea of what you're what you're looking for, Uh, choose who you want to connect with and on one topic. And once that's done, you will fill out the form. It'll check your emails and you can book yourself in then with that consultant on a day and time that suits you for the 15 to 30 minute free consultation. Currently on the Hub, we have coaches and consultants Valerie Del Forge, Susan Routledge, Danielle Boucher, Richard McCabe, Phil Jackson, Jennifer Swain, Gloria Murray, David and Nicole Barnett, Stefania Rossi, Katie Lowndes, and Susie K. Brooks. So again, to book your free consultation, head over to salonmentors.forest.com. Today, we are actually at the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow. So look forward for an episode live from this event next week. And well, that's all we've got for this week. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, please send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the salon owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.